I am like the introvertiest of the introverts. Um, I'll stumble over words. I can't think of the word that I mean. I don't have that problem when I'm writing. The first thing I always say is get in a writer's group. Um, that was that was what did it for me, and that's what I've seen do it for a lot of other people as well. Hi, I'm Courtney Sevis, and you're entering a world gone good. Hi, I'm Eric Poole, and you're entering a world gone good. Hello and welcome to World Gone Good. My name is Steve and I am so happy you're here. We continue to grow our audience through listeners like you who listen and share and subscribe and rate and review. So whatever one or two or all of the above you partake in, I thank you sincerely in helping us spread the good. Okay, here's a fun bit of Steve history or Steve Bitto history. You like that? I made it up. Okay. In 1992, fresh out of college, I moved to Los Angeles and I began working at the soap opera General Hospital. One of my jobs was to fetch lunches and dinners for the producers. So one night at about 7 p.m., I brought then executive producer Wendy Rich her dinner. She was busy working. I placed it down on her desk. She smiled, said thank you, and I went to leave. And then just as I was at the door, she stopped me with a question. She asked, what is it you want to do? This was my chance. This was my big shot. The showrunner of the then number two, maybe number three, I don't remember, daytime drama, was asking me, me, what I wanted to do. I boldly puffed out my chest and said with unbelievable confidence, perhaps too much bravada, I'm a writer. She nodded and asked, What have you written? And that's where my soul left my body because I hadn't written anything. The look on my face relayed that message loud and clear. She then gave me the best four words of professional advice I have ever been given. She said, go home and write. Side note, I bumped into Wendy on a plane 15 years later and I thanked her for being the one to set me on my path. Today we're talking with two good writers, my friends Courtney Sevis and Eric Poole. Courtney is a self-published writer, while Eric is published the old-fashioned way. They both have definitely done the job of going home and writing. So let's start here. What do you think the good is in being creative? I think the good in being creative, honestly, is an outlet. Uh, And I know a lot of people seem to feel that way, but you know, there's, it's, you have a lot coming into your life and sometimes you just need to get it out. And I feel like any kind of creativity is a really great way to get it out as opposed to like, you know, holding on to it and then exploding on someone for something stupid six months from now. I started writing when I was a teenager and, and from the very get-go of the stuff that I would write, um, well, it was always humorous. Um, that's just my thing. and uh, But it always had heart and it was just very important to me um, to impart something that had some sort of little, tiny little transformational value in it. You know what I mean? Um, rather than just, oh, for, for, here's a good example. Um, I love David Sedaris. I'm a big fan of his, of his writing, but he's more observational. Um, and I like to think of my work, you know, this sounds very highfalutin and I don't mean it to, but as a little more transformational, you know what I mean? uh, I I want people to maybe learn something or maybe be able to change something about themselves or grow or whatever, in whatever little tiny way they can. Um, 
through the stuff that, through the experiences that they read about in my books. Do you find that the way to do that is to make yourself vulnerable and open or? Oh God. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Humiliation really breeds a lot of relatability. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, if, if you're telling a, a, a totally mortifying story about yourself. Um, people can relate to that. And, and most people have had some kind of similar experience and, and that makes you approachable and, 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 and easy for them to want to root for, you know, what do you think the good of writing stuff down is for me? Writing things down is I'm more eloquent that way. Um, a lot of the times when I'm speaking, because I am like the introvertiest of the introverts, um, I'll stumble over words. I can't think of the word that I mean. I don't have that problem when I'm writing something down. I very rarely like, you know, forget a word or well, I'll spell stuff wrong. But other than that, <laughs> it's just easier for me to write it down. I guess it's less panic inducing, maybe. How many books have you written? What am I on? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, I believe, counting the one that I have not released yet, because uh, I'm still working on the edits that I got back from my editor. I believe we're at eleven. And have you self-published all these books, or do you have a publisher, or how does it work? I self-published, and I, I actually put a lot of thought into whether I wanted to self-publish or, you know, look for an agent to go the whole traditional publishing route. Um, there were, I'm not saying that it's out of the cards for me forever. There might be a point where it makes more sense for me, but from what little I do know about traditional publishing, it just didn't seem to um, make sense for me. Do you think that it's a road for you to get to that point where you hoping to build up your audience through the self-publishing books? I do hope so to, to, to actually get to that point. But um, from what I know, for, and like I said, it's not a lot, but what little I know about um, what traditionally published authors get like per book sale compared to what I get per book sale that would be something that I, even if I built up the audience, that would really have to be something I sat down and thought about. Now, speaking of building up an audience, you have, your books are part of a set of series and it's multiple series, correct? Is it, talk us through the books and, and take us through the different um, ways you plot them out. So <laughs> that has changed over the course of this. Um, so a lot of this has been a process and, um, you honestly can probably see that if you start at the first series, which was called Rejected Royalty. And as you go forward, you can kind of you can kind of see that things kind of change. Um, for my first series, Rejected Royalty, I really was not outlining anything. I just kind of sat down and started writing. Um, I would hit kind of writer's block walls where because, you know, two days ago I had written something really dumb that I didn't like. And my brain would just be like, no, until you go fix that, you can't write anything else. Um, and it was, so it would slow me down in a sense. Um, it was a lot more confusing. Um, and some people thrive in that. And I used to, but I guess, I don't know, maybe I've gotten older. Um, and now I actually prefer to outline. Now I do not have like a 50 page outline. It might be like 10 or 15 pages. And I'll sit down and say, you know, here's beginning, middle, end. Here are, you know, the definite like plot twists or really important plot points that I need to hit. These are, you know, little clues to what's going on that I need to make sure I hit at this point. That kind of a loose outline because I do still kind of pants my way through it as opposed to um, following an outline step by step. 
but um and now i've i've actually found myself sitting down and saying how many books do i want in this series okay i want i want this series to be five books so i need a conflict per book i need an overarching conflict for all five books okay where am i going to go in each five each of these five books for this overarching. So it's still outlining, but it, it has changed over the course of each series. I didn't do that with either of the series that are ongoing right now, but I'm doing that with the one I'm about to start. So Eric, your first book, Where's My Wand? Your second book, excuse me while I slip into someone more comfortable. Such great titles. Um, talk about the books and the tie-ins to Bewitched, because I think it's really interesting. I always say my first book was about learning to cope, and my second book was about learning to be me. Um, the first book, because I, because I was young, I mean, it starts out when I'm eight and goes to about when I'm 15. Um, it was about learning to deal with your home life and your, and your school life. And, and, you know, for me, that was like a mom who was this absolute clean Nazi. She would come home and scream every night about a dish in the sink or the shag carpeting and not been raped or whatever. And, and, uh, and so, so there was that, there was the, the sort of um, smoldering knowledge, you know, deep in the back of my brain that something wasn't right, you know, with my sexuality. There was just this lovely cavalcade of, of things that I was trying to deal with. And also the fact that the fear that I was going to hell because of the whole, what if I'm gay thing, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't even, you know, when you're eight or 10 years old, at least in that era, you're not putting it together that you really are gay. You're just kind of going, boy, I kind of like to uh, look at my, you know, my male friends and stuff, you know. But anyway, to come back to Endora, um, so she, she just represented power to me and she represented an ability to change your life. You know, she could snap her fingers and everything was different. So I, I found this bedspread in a closet. It was this white chenille bedspread. And I decided that was my Andorra cape. You know, she always wore those like caftans. And, uh, and so this, this white bedspread was like my cape. And I would put that around me and pretend to be her. And I would like, I'd be in the basement and I would snap my fingers and I'd run to another part of the basement and pretend to appear. Anything I could do that made me feel like I had some sort of power. I remember being a little scared of her as a child. And I find it interesting that you related to her and not to the lead, Samantha. I know, because ironically, Samantha is much more who I am as a person. You know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I'm somebody who wants everyone to be happy, and you know, all those kind of things. Um, I am not Endora, but I think Endora was what I aspired to. You know, I just wanted to feel that kind of power and that kind of um, nothing scares me. You know, attitude, which everything scared me as a kid. We had a similar mother. I told you after I read your book. Oh my God. It's so similar. Like I remember my mother, like my mother in cleaning was insane. My mother, I, I think it was your book, Eric, that freaked me out because my mother used to flick on the light at 1130 at night. We'd be dead asleep and dump hot laundry on us and then stand there folding it. And I thought, I thought you had a somewhat similar experience. <laughs> my oldest friend says that uh, we had the same mother and she just went from house to house, you know, <laughs> and, it's, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, there were, that seemed to be a thing in that era. I don't know what it was. I, if it was just, maybe part of it was the beginning of the whole, like trying to have it all thing and, and, and women felt so overwhelmed by it and, and therefore took it out on the kids. You know, my mom always wanted to be a career woman. I, I always said that I don't think she really wanted kids. She just did it because that's what you did in the 60s. You know what I mean? Um, 
And, and because once we became young adults, our relationship changed dramatically, you know, and we became great friends with her and she, she was a wonderful person. It was just when we were kids, she didn't want these dirty rugrats, you know, messing up her, her perfectly raked shag carpet, you know. So you live in the fantasy world. Is that what you would call it? It's fantasy. It's specifically urban fantasy. So um, like modern day, but with magical elements, basically. And is it um, YA? Is it young adult or is it more for adults? It, it is for adults. Definitely for adults. My, my main character in my first civil book is a madam. Definitely for adults. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an adult. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say urban fantasy, do you mean in terms of um, location or do you mean in terms of ethnicity? I, you're a black writer, so I'm sure that has to figure in somehow. I usually stick to cities. However, I don't think I do that because it's urban fantasy. I think I just do that because I, I grew up in cities. I spent most of my time in Baltimore and New York, basically. I do have a tendency to make sure or to stick with minorities for my main characters. Um, they're usually Black. The main character in my first civil book is actually Native American, but they're usually Black because I, I, I don't know. I feel like we don't have enough minorities in urban fantasy. They usually have a tendency to be either either white males or white females. And and there's no problem with that. I'm not upset about it, nothing like that. I just kind of want to see myself in it. How do you build an audience when you are self-publishing? So a lot of it is, <laughs> half of it is social media, uh, learning how to use hashtags and things like that, because that that's really what's going to get people's attention is they're scrolling um, through, you know, a particular hashtag and they'll see something that they like on your page and then maybe they'll be interested. Um, the other half of that is you're going to have to spend some money. You're going to have to run some Facebook ads or some Amazon ads. Or there's a couple other places you can run ads. Um, it, it takes money to make money past a certain point. But don't you also find that friends or do you find that friends who have read your stuff are your best audience and they're the best promoters you could have? Or how do you feel about that? Um, I do, actually. I have several friends who I had one who started out as kind of like a test read for me. You know, hey, read this and see if it sounds stupid type thing. Um, <laughs> and, and she ended up she ended up telling people about it um, and lending out books. I have a friend back home who did the same thing in Baltimore. She started lending out books. She started bringing people to my Facebook page and saying, hey, this is my friend I told you about. Um, my daughter's friend, best friend, read one of my books, gave it to his sister. His sister has read the book four times and took notes. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm so floored. Like, I love her. <laughs> but like, she is so, so like, she loves the books. Um, I've had a friend, well, my daughter's friend, um, sign up for Kindle Unlimited because my books are in Kindle Unlimited. Um, and she just had a baby. So, you know, finances are a little tight. But she can read them through Kindle Unlimited when they release. So she got Kindle Unlimited just to read my books. So yeah, Aww. it's, I know I, I like hugged her when she told me that I love when people, it could be just random one person. It doesn't have to be like a hundred people, just one person. I love the fact that they'll say, I read your book and I absolutely loved it because it means so much to me. Don't you feel right now too, because of the world we're presently living in that hopefully we're going to 
get out of soon. But the present situation, <laughs> it's those one-on-ones that really feel like connection. Like it's like a it's like a virtual hug. It's like a virtual like I exist. Oh my God, somebody's hearing me. Yeah. Yeah. It means especially right now, it means a lot. I mean, like I'm I don't have cabin fever like everyone else I know, but that's, you know, introvert. I don't care. But still, you know, there are some moments where I kind of want to tear my hair out. So that kind of, you know, one-on-one connection or one of them stops past and says, hey, mom, when are you releasing the next book or something like that? Like, that means a lot to me. That's funny, too, because as a writer myself, too, it's like when I was like, oh, we're in lockdown and I just have to sit in front of a computer. Fantastic. I couldn't be happier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, I was fine with it. I know. I was like, why are you people <laughs> complaining? What's your problem? Right. Because I, right. I everyone thinks I'm this giant extrovert, but I'm really, I'm an, um, what's the word? I'm like an introverted extrovert. No, I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I, I uh-huh. nothing makes me happier than like Christmas week when we don't leave the house. You know what I mean? Like we just, <laughs> I just sit like a gelatinous <laughs> lump on the couch and just keep eating and drinking and eating and drinking and watching movies I've seen a thousand times and seven movies go by and it's dark. So I'm like, Oh, it's nighttime. Fantastic. Right. <laughs> Time for bed. Good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I realized that last time my mom came down, she likes to, you know, cause she doesn't live down here in Texas. So whenever she's in town, like she wants to go out like every day, you know, let's go, let's go to the mall. Let's go get dinner or something like that. And she goes back home and I'm like exhausted. I'm like, like the girls even know my daughters are like, no, you have to give mom like a day or so. She, she needs a moment. You know, I talk to a lot of people who um, have great ideas and want to write their stories down. And um, what advice do you give for people who are, you know, wanting to tell their story? What are the steps that you would offer somebody? The first thing I always say is get in a writer's group. Um, that was that was what did it for me, and that's what I've seen do it for a lot of other people as well. I was writing some essays about my childhood, which became chapters of, of Where's My Wand, but a friend of mine said, I'm in this amazing writer's group. This is in L.A., and, and uh, he goes, why don't you come, you know, just audit it for, uh, you know, one class and see if you like it and if you want to join. And I did, and that's where the first book became a book. Um, right. And there's something about being there, especially if you're in a group with a bunch of really good writers. Um, they only make your material better. They help you shape it. They give you feedback that you really need. You, you and I know that as people who write humor, um, you need somebody to try that shit out on, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you got to see if it's landing, if, if, if the jokes are, are landing and if, if um, your intent as a writer and, and the, the heart and whatever you're trying to put into it, you know, is all coming through. And so... Um, I, I, that's always my first step. Um, and it's also a step that's a lot more accomplishable easily than getting an agent, which is the, as you and I know, is a, a horrible part of the, the process. I've, I've been very lucky in that regard, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a complete anomaly and it's no credit to me necessarily as a writer or my talent or whatever, but I just have been lucky twice um, in the agent thing. And, and a lot of people struggle with that, like beyond, you know, Oh, I don't, you know, you know, the stories. Yes. And I, my thing that I always say to people is if it's, if it's of interest to you, it will be of interest to other people. Absolutely. This is a fear I think a lot of people have is like, no one's going to want to hear this particular story. Well, I think it's all in the way you tell it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the stories I'm telling are not, 
um, necessarily that new. There are things that a lot of us have gone through. It's just the point of view, you know? Um, and and you're absolutely right that if, if it means something to you, it will mean something to other people because there's a relatability there. And, you know, um, the, the other thing I always say is don't do it for the money. Don't do it for the fame. Don't do it for any of that shit. Don't just do it because it makes you happy to do it. You know, like I found um, these books incredibly cathartic, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and that that's a wonderful uh, part of, of the whole process, you know, and and. Uh, I never did it. I, you know, I was lucky. I was working at Fox the whole time. Oh. That's fine. I, That's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Their lawyers will be coming down on the <laughs> Exactly. Right. Uh, but I was, you know, I was working at Fox when I wrote the first book. And uh, um, and actually, uh, the second one as well. Um, um, so I would just write on the weekends. But it was... Uh, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have a, a, a good living and all that. So I didn't need to worry about like uh, how many copies this is going to sell or whatever, you know, I just did it because I loved it. And, and then, in, you know, weirdly enough, the pieces all fell into place very easily. I went to a writer's conference in Maui because some friends of mine were going and I thought, I want to do this too. And um, before I'd even gotten there, I'd had um, phone calls with two agents who wanted to sign me. And, and one of them uh, was this agent at WME and, and, uh, uh, not not Aria. That was the, that was the TV thing that came later. But um, uh, you know, a book agent, and uh, um, and I, I just got super lucky. You know, but sometimes I think maybe if you have something that's that needs to be said on whatever level, then sort of the universe opens up and says, "Here you go." That is the good of it, and that's the the power in visualization and putting out there what you want. I always say to people who want to write, sit down and write. Like, what are you? Like there, no one's stopping exactly. you. No one's stopping right. you. It's not even like God, you, no. you don't need a gym membership. You don't need to get in your car. You don't, <laughs> you can right. just sit down and stop looking at Instagram and stop looking at Facebook and open a document and write. And the thing too That's that they exactly always say, right. you know, they always say like if you can write, um, if you write one page a day, you'll have a novel in one year. Right. It's as simple as That's exactly it really right. is as simple is. as that. I, 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 you know, I've never, unfortunately, I've never been one of those people who got like, I write and rewrite the one chapter and I have to have it perfect before I move on to the next one. Right. So I don't, I don't necessarily recommend that, that style of writing to people, but, uh, um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's mostly fear that keeps, you know, keeps people from doing stuff in life, Sure. you know, and, and, and I've been as guilty of that, you know, as anybody, um, after I wrote the first book, um, uh, I got passed through from at WME to the TV division, and, and they started sending it out uh, um, to be optioned. Um, and uh, uh, Adam Sandler's company, Happy Madison, um, at Sony, uh, optioned it as a, as a, and sold it as a pitch to ABC as a as a series. And I was so excited. I was like, "This is what I want." And you know, not only because I you know I love television and I would love to have been involved in that, but also because you know TV is a big forum and it and it brings people to your books. Right. You know, um, so it would have it would have raised my my level of you know awareness a, a whole lot. Um, ultimately. Um, they were also developing at the same time the Goldbergs, and ABC picked up the Goldbergs and not mine. That was a lesson in and of itself in terms of, you know, <laughs> uh, don't, don't put all your, you know, eggs in one basket when it comes to that stuff. Like, I thought, oh, I'm, this is it. I'm going to be out of Fox. I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, it all fell apart ultimately. But, um, but I still am grateful for all the experience that it brought me. And, you know, you learn a lot in all those processes. And the best thing about it was it, it – Kept kept pushing me to write more, and I wrote the second book, 
um, along the way as all of that stuff was kind of playing out. So I usually wrap up these interviews. In fact, I always wrap these up, these shows up with the same three questions. So I'm going to throw these three questions at you. You can respond any way you want. Don't worry. Don't be scared. Just <laughs> whatever comes out, comes out. Question number one, who inspires you? My children. Um, my daughter, Noelani, is 21. My daughter, Rain, is 20. And they inspire me because I want to be better for them. Um, any writer with heart. Um, you know, one of my favorite books is The Color Purple, just because of the, the transformational value of that material, you know. Um, and, and any writer like Alice Walker who can, who can take a story and make you want to be a better person because of it. All right, this one's fun. Tell me something good. You know, it's, it's part of what you and I were talking about before we, um, uh, just personally before we started this uh, recording, um, how COVID has been so hard on so many people and yet has brought some beautiful benefits to other people. You know what I mean? Um, for, for a lot of us, you know, it's been trying in, in, in many ways, but, but at the same time, but there's been these beautiful moments of good that have come out of all of this. And I wish there was more focus on that than on the, the, on all the partisanship and the negativity and the deaths and the, you know not that those things are not important but let's let's look at how it's bringing out the best in people oh oh i've lost i have lost uh i believe eight pounds in the last three weeks i think that's great <laughs> i'm so proud of myself <laughs> here's the last question it's the easiest question of all where can people find you where can people find your books plug away um ericpool.net um, or, you know, the books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those, the usual places, um, and in Kindle. And, uh, the first, uh, the second one is an audio book as well with Audible. Um, they've been trying to do the first one as well. It's just been a rights issue between my two agencies and publishers. So, um, yeah, so the, all the usual places, just Google me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now I'm only on Amazon. Um, that is a, a thing. If you're in Kindle Unlimited, you can only be on Amazon. They will yank you out of it. Um, and they will yank your books down for sale as well. Um, that is also kind of going back to that building an audience thing. A lot of people sometimes will take more chances on new authors in Kindle Unlimited. So um, right now, if you go um, and search for my pen name, which is c.m.sevis, C-E-V-I-S, on Amazon, it'll bring up my author page. And that pulls up all of my books. Um, it also has links to all of my social media. I am most active on Instagram. I will tell you that now. Um, and it also has a link to my website, which will let you sign up for my mailing list as well. Thank you, Courtney and Eric, for sharing your good here on World Gone Good. Okay, guys, ladies, gentlemen, anyone listening, you can find their work right where they told you. And, um, you know, we all got a little more time on our hands, so go give them a read, a good read. Next time on World Gone Good. At Thanksgiving, what we did, we drew every, uh, names from a hat, and the name you drew was the person who you were an angel to. We said, Santa, Santa! And she said... It was probably your dad. Your dad wanted to make sure that you had something for Christmas. What's good about the holidays? Good question. I asked a few of my good friends to share their good family stories. Grab your cocoa, your eggnog, 
your holiday spirits, whatever makes you feel good, and join me. Until then, be good.